The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. It was the 60th birthday yesterday of the other guy from Wham who's not George Michael. So let's talk about some of those famous other guys. Ed Smith to, from Today FM Rocks is with me. Uh, it, that was unnecessarily cruel, I thought, on the great Andrew Ridgely. Yeah, I think that so. Was, Apo- yeah, I, I, listen, I know he's a regular listener, so <laughs> my apologies to uh, Andrew and Ridgely. Yeah. Um, I mean, but he's not alone, isn't he not? In, in terms of so, like success, but, these hugely successful double acts, both, both on a par, on paper, but not in reality. Just a little note, actually, on uh, George Michael and Andrew Ridgely, their relationship. They were only around for four years. They had four number ones, sold 30 million records. They were the biggest selling pop act of the 1980s. And Andrew Ridgely very much recognised and was very comfortable with the fact that George Michael was clearly the talent. But George, this is a testament to what a beautiful soul George Michael was. He put Ridgely down as a co-writer of Careless Whisper, although he had nothing to do with it. And to this day... It has set him up for life. He is worth millions and as a result of George Michael's kindness. So I just wanted to get that in. I'm a huge fan. But anyway, yes. So we're going back to 1967 as such. There was a very well-known, very famous country Western star called Porter Wagner. Now, that doesn't ring any bells with you. And no, I'll tell you why. Uh, he would have had a, a very successful syndicated country show on American television. And part of his shtick was he'd always have a female co-host or a sidekick as such. One of them quit. <clears throat> we don't know why, but maybe that'll become evident quite shortly. And he'd heard an album by a young country artist. And on that album was a song called Blonde Bimbo. I think we, we know where we're going with this. That artist was Dolly Parton. He was like, oh, she's not bad. He gets her in as he's kind of sidekick on the show and after she was with him for seven years they, they won three country grammy awards like they were she made the show absolutely sparkle and pop and over those years there is rumors strong rumors that they were kind of a little bit more than on-screen partners Ooh. as well but anyway this, that only complicates matters because it soon became very apparent specifically to dolly parton probably the smartest operator in any musical business look, I'm bigger and better than this. And she wanted to break free from Porter Wagner. He was not having none of it. He was very controlling, very jealous of what he was clearly seeing as a talent that was soon going to leave him. She did make that decision, walked into his office and said, listen, Porter, I've had enough. I'm gone. I'm going to sprack out of my own. That's a great Dolly Parton impression, by the way. Yeah, very good. And she she laid down a cassette player on the on his desk and she played him a song that she had written for the occasion as a kind of a softener of the blow. That song was, I Will Always Love You. No way. Sorry. Yeah. Mind blown now. Mind yeah. blown. So she wrote that song to break up, basically. Talk, talk, about, business talk about a mic drop. Yeah, she, with, like, and, and things, got, like, things got very complicated. Like we'll see as a pattern in the next maybe duo that we'll speak about. Usually it's the man that gets very possessive, very jealous because the female uh, part of the partnership is Mm. infinitely more talented and more charismatic. So he tried to control and kind of keep her down within within that duo. She was too good, too big and too strong and too intelligent for him. So anyway, she broke free, but she left him that one final gift, one of the greatest love songs ever written. Now, things got very complicated and nasty afterwards legally. But at the very end, as a testament to how classy she is, when he was dying, she stayed with him for the last couple of days of his life. And she was there with him when he passed. That is to make make peace. That is a great tidbit. People think when they hear the Whitney Houston version, they think their tidbit is that Dolly Parton's version is better. Now they have an extra tidbit. They can Uh, say, and wait till I tell you where that came from. I know. There you go. You can go into the pub tonight now. You can bore all your plans. Well, I plan to. I I bore them most (laughs) Friday nights, but I'm going to really bore them this Friday night. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. (laughs) Sonny and Cher. 
Sonny is sure. So look, oh, a little odd this. Now, Sonny was Phil Spector's. He worked for Phil Spector as one of his assistants. He was in the in the music business quite a long time. He was 28. Met Sure when she was 16, right? Right. So we'll, we'll kind of move past that, I suppose, uh, the dubiousness of that. But they struck up a relationship and soon struck up a re- musical and showbiz partnership. They had a TV show, which was absolutely massive. The Sonny and Sure Comedy Hour, huge. American television was littered with these kind of variety shows featuring like Dean Martin had one, obviously Frank Snatcher. We've just spoken about Porter Wagner. So Sonny and Sure had one of these variety shows where they'd sing a couple of tracks. There'd be jugglers, there'd be comedians, there'd be other singers, you know. It's actually, I would recommend checking out the Tom Jones and Sure duet from the show. It is electric. Anyway, I digress. As again, the same old pattern forming again, Sonny soon realized that uh, his partner was infinitely more talented, had a lot more charisma, a lot more of a huge future. He tried to, I suppose, box her into a corner, keep her in where he wanted her, under his control. Cher confronted him finally. I think even again, it was around seven years it didn't go well. He didn't react very, very well at all. Their marriage soon dissolved and it got very, very acrimonious. She went on, as we, we as we know now, to have one of the great pop careers, won an Oscar. Her legendary status is confirmed. Sonny never really recovered. He went into politics a little bit. I think he was right. the mayor of a town. You know, he dabbled in this. He tried to, you know, rejuvenate the TV show. People weren't having it because they knew they weren't a couple. So that, that kind of chemistry that kind of connection they had on screen was absolutely gone. It kind of failed. And then he actually rather tragically, well, not rather, very tragically, died in a skiing accident in 1998. And famously, Sher gave the eulogy. It caused a bit of controversy at the time that his ex-wife was the one to say the final words, but it's worth looking up on YouTube. Mm. She does an incredible job. And the love was still there towards the end. Uh, of course, Sher being the bigger heart there. What about uh, a duo who, I, I, if I'm right, kind of broke up, but got back together relatively recently. I'm not sure how they necessarily are. Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, they are joined at the hip with an elastic band. They keep trying to get away from each other. You know, they met as 11-year-olds, actually. They lived very close to each other, just a block apart in, I think it was Queens, New York. Uh, They soon bonded over their musical abilities, started harmonising. And at a very young age, they formed a group called, they were called Tom and Jerry first. And they had a few minor hits. And then Paul Simon was approached this is where it all started to go wrong. And people don't really realize this. It all went wrong for Simon Garfunkel before there was Simon Garfunkel. Oh. A, a record producer by the name, I think Sal Rosen was his name, approached Paul Simon and said, look, you're clearly the talent here. Uh, fancy doing a few singles for me. And Paul since has said, oh, I forgot to tell Art Garfunkel. <laughs> so he went off and signed a record deal on his own. Uh, the singles didn't do anything. They go back together. And to this day, Art Garfunkel said, that betrayal, He's never gotten over it. It is the underlying driving force of their acrimonious, you know, are they together? Are they not ever since? So that has been, I suppose, one of the things that we, we have to realize. But over the, they did get back together, thankfully. Wednesday 3 a.m., the album came out. We know what happened then. Sound of Silence, some of the greatest, most iconic songs of all time over the next couple of years. They did go their separate ways. They did get back together. They, they got back, you know, they would, somebody would offer them enough money is usually mm. what would happen. They'd barely tolerate each other in the dressing room and in the lead up, in the rehearsals and get on stage and do the songs. But here's another factor. It wasn't all Art Garfunkel. So Paul Simon wrote Bridge Over Troubled Water. Yeah. Right? We, we know that. He gave it to Art Garfunkel to sing. So many people would have thought it was his song that he wrote it. Simon could not stand the fact that people thought that Art Garfunkel 
had written one of the most beautiful and popular and iconic songs of all time. There's a very famous incident where they did one of their many comebacks and get backs together was in New York, 1981. And yeah. when, when it came to the song that everyone was there for, Paul Simon left the stage. He refused to share the stage with Arkar Funkel when he was singing that. In a kind of, be, be, a, in a because, because he was angry that people in the audience thought Art Garfunkel had written it. He did one. Yeah, it, it's a famous, <laughs> one of the most famously passive aggressive moves yeah. in rock and roll history. He just literally st- just stalked off the stage and let Art Garfunkel know what a voice Art Garfunkel had. And, you know, I know he had a lot of problems. Here's another little tidbit you can bring to the pub tonight. Mm. He ate some lobster uh, in around 2014. And whatever allergic reaction he had to the lobster, he lost his voice. The great Argar Funkel was almost felled by a lobster. But look, he got back into rehab and uh, he got the voice back to whatever state he could that lay in his life. But the problem with Argar Funkel and Paul Simon was obviously Paul Simon went on. His, his, his lyrical songwriting and arrangement genius went on to create some of the great songs of the 70s and 80s. Of course, Graceland, I think, being his monumental mm. masterpiece. Argar Funkel kind of, we know, he did a bit of acting. He was okay. He released some solo records. Of course, he had a hit with Bright Eyes uh, from Watership Down in 1978, but it re- his career never really reached the heights of Paul Simon. So listen, again, I'm a little comfortable calling him the other guy here, but mm. it, there's no doubt in my mind, without Art Garfunkel, Paul Simon, there would be no Simon Garfunkel, obviously, but their voices melded together so beautifully that Paul Simon's talent needed Art Garfunkel to, you know, to reach the heights that it did. But it was Paul Simon, I think, that overall, Gets the plaudits, gets the glory. Two, uh, what? What did you say? Two people jo- joined at the hip by an elastic band. Two ginnets tied to the one fence post. Is that? Is that? A, I've never heard of that. Friend of mine might describe it. <laughs> anyway, Ed Smith from Today FM rocks. Ed, always a pleasure. The hard shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan weekdays from four on News Talk.